Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone back to our LISC series and our discussion about the Long Island serial killing and uh, who better to talk to someone about uh, Oak Beach than someone who has lived there for a very long time and has been a big part of that community. Uh, Joe Scalise Sr. is our very special guest. Frank McKay here, much more importantly. Joe Scalise Sr. for our part two with him. Mr. Scalise, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, as we as we left off uh, last week and the last time we spoke, Joe, uh, we were talking an awful lot about uh, about Peter Hackett, and and the last thing I said was about uh, Bob Strickoff, and I, I I assume you know uh, Bob Strickoff. Um, he's the best friend growing up, and the best friend still of of Steve Ballone, the county executive. Became very close to Jimmy Burke, who was appointed by Steve Ballone to be the uh, commission. I, I'm sorry, not the commissioner, the chief. He took he could have been commissioner if he wanted. He was running the show. Uh, he he didn't get the uh, he wouldn't have gotten the overtime if he wasn't chief. So. Uh, his buddy Ballone appointed him there. And as we left off, uh, I, I confirmed it's an absolute fact that the FBI was asked to leave by Jimmy Burke and, and backed by Steve Ballone 100%. Uh, but the conversation that I brought up to you, uh, Joe, was, uh, was a conversation I had with Bob Strickoff in the California diner in Patchogue, and it was in early March 2020, and he he made this great proclamation, verbal proclamation about um, about Dr. Peter Hackett, and he said, Dr. Hackett's a great man, uh, impeccable, and blah, 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 and he's all this, and that his daughter was the, the first uh, babysitter that he and his, his wife Abigail ever had, and... Um, uh, you know all of this, and he just defended Doctor Hackett like you wouldn't believe. I, I, what What do you make of that, Joe? And uh, what? Why would somebody speak that glowingly? I never heard anybody say a, a good word uh, about Peter Hackett. Why would Bobby Strickoff uh, ever uh, say these things? And I and I I would say it on a stack of Bibles. I would uh, I would testify to that. And I I challenge uh, Mister Strickoff to call me and deny that he said it. He absolutely said it without question. I was blown away by his proclamation, uh, by his uh, his declaration of greatness about uh, uh, about Dr. Peter Hackett. Uh, have you heard this from anybody else before, that anybody talking this glowingly about this guy? Well, I have heard things like that from his close circle of friends. One was uh, Tom Canning. I happened to have a discussion with Tom one day where uh, I was asking him what he was going off and yelling at people uh, for, mainly my son Joe, when he was just giving directions to uh, someone to get into the that was in the association, just couldn't find uh, Hackett's house. So uh, we gave him, the, he got the directions, and then uh, Tom just went berserk. So I went over and said, hey, Tom, what is your problem here? He said, I don't know what's, with, what's with you guys. Dr. Hackett's just a great guy. Uh, even with the, so I said, well, I've got a problem with what's happened with Shannon Gilbert personally and uh, he says well let me tell you dr hackett he was only trying to calm her down and sedate her because she was out of her mind uh wow. so i didn't say a word when he said that to me i, I just kept don't say anything let him keep talking and he kind of indicated that both of them both he and dr hackett had run into shannon gilbert he didn't say where 
at what time, and Dr. Hackett sedated her. Wow. So I, went, I said, okay. So I, I just said, well, that's fine. I don't have the same opinion of Dr. Hackett, but I think you need to be more civil with your neighbors around here. And he apologized to me. He said, yeah, I was out of hand there, and I apologized. And I said, have a good day. Immediately went home and wrote down that information and, uh, you know, as much as I could remember. Because in the, in the interim, there were like three or four other guys there sitting about eh, 15, 20 feet away from us. Uh, his son, uh, I believe one was Hackett's son, and there were a couple other young men. They're, they're all in their 20s, all big guys. So I said, let me get the hell out of here while I can. But that was said to me, and that's what I, I remember him saying distinctly, that uh, both of them sedated her to calm her down. And he was just doing, you know, the, the right thing. And so I don't agree with, with Tom Canning's assessment, and I don't agree with the assessment that you said, that, that Peter Hackett is just a great, wonderful guy. Peter Hackett has a lot of problems. I I can tell you that women are not comfortable around him. Just the demeanor, there's something that comes off to him that women are not comfortable. It's, this is, you know, in my mind, he's like a predator, but who the hell knows? Yeah, just That's a, my opinion. A, just amazing. I'm very uncomfortable around him myself. Yeah, well, I, I understandable. I, he's a strange character. And again, I'll say just for the record, just because you're a strange character doesn't mean you're a, a serial no, killer. that's fine. I, I but, have a lot of strange character right. friends, too. But no, they're, no they're, doubt. They're strange in a different way than he is. Yeah, he is a he is a strange character. And, uh, and to me, when you have a, a character that strange who has ties with the police, has ties, obviously, with the county executive, because uh, Strickoff is the best friend of, of uh, county. Ex and, and by the way, Steve Ballone, I, I, I invite you on. Peter Hackett, I invite you on. And, and we will give you any opportunity to dispute any of this or to sell, tell your side of the story. Um, you know, Steve Ballone, I've been begging you, and uh, and Bobby Strickoff, we beg you. Uh, anything that you could uh, add to this to to help Jimmy Burke, of course, is is welcome on. And but Peter Hackett would be a great conversation to have. I, you know, you never know. I mean, a guy like that sometimes goes off, and 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 uh, you know, I I invite him as well, and I'll be reaching out. But what a bizarre situation! And again, it comes down to, and I I have a great deal of respect for our law enforcement in Suffolk County, but boy, this is this is a cover up. I mean, without question, this is a cover up and the two guys I point my fingers out at Chief Burke, Jimmy Burke, and I never had crosswords with Jimmy Burke in my life. I had a, uh, a a good relationship with Jimmy Burke and the same goes with Steve Ballone. It's all over this. It's over the cover up of, of what they've done here uh, with the Gilgo Beach killings and the cover up behind it. I'm not saying either one of them killed him. I'm not saying Hackett killed him, but I'm saying that these guys are involved in the cover up and I challenge them to come on and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Joe, let me uh, let me just ask you about uh, Jimmy Burke. Um, and again, for those just tuning in, Joe Scalise Sr. Uh, is our very special guest, Frank McKay, here talking Lisk. Uh, let me ask you about Jimmy Burke. Have you ever had the uh, the uh, occasion to uh, to come across him? Have you ever met Jimmy Burke? No, I never have. Uh, have you heard about him before the murders occurred? Ah, uh, yes, many times. I was, you know, I, I know a bunch of police officers, and uh, and of course, Burke's name would come up every, every once in a while. 
Was he someone that frequented uh, Gilgo or Oak Beach? The uh, the word out there is, was that Jimmy was uh, friendly with Dr. Hackett and also uh, a visitor of, of that area quite often. I think there's no question about it. I mean, uh, and... Uh, you know, I've had Joe Brewer on uh, on the show, and he was very candid, and uh, and his life was turned upside down, and uh, you know he admitted his his crime, which was prostitution, and uh, and you know he uh, uh, you know he talked about that, and but he openly spoke to. Uh, to police officers, which, by the way, I if I was a friend of his back then, I probably would have said, "Are you crazy? You know, you're uh, you're admitting a crime and whatever." But he talked openly with uh, uh, with uh, people that were investigating this, and uh, without a lawyer, <laughs> without anything, uh, Hackett didn't do the same. From what I understand, Hackett, uh, and, and maybe you could shed some light on it. What what is what is it that you heard about Hackett's cooperation or lack of cooperation in this investigation? Uh, well, Peter Hackett was involved with something going on there in the association the day after uh, Shannon uh, disappeared. I guess he was at the uh, at the gatehouse there where they have uh, cameras, and uh, he had access to that. This member of the board or former member of the, the association board. And uh, he was reviewing those. Again, this is my, you know, discussions that people had that one of our neighbors was driving by and he happened to stop her. And uh, he said, look at this. I'm just looking at these tapes and they're all, you know, blurry or whatever. He had, they had already been erased by him, obviously. And uh, so they showed nothing of the goings-on back and forth it must have occurred that evening, even just if you listen to some some of the stories that said Shining Gilbert was all over the place. Well, there's nothing that can be found on the tapes now. We had those tapes. Peter Hackett had access to them. And now those tapes uh, were more blank, very, you know, snowy and all. So only one person could have done that was Peter Hackett. But nobody ever said anything. All these other stories that he never saw Shining Gilbert. Then he tells Mrs. Gilbert. Uh, you know, she's okay. Uh, uh, he's taking care of everything. This is from uh, Mrs. Gilbert's, uh, Shannon Gilbert's mom had spoken to us at one point and said, I just really want to find my daughter. And also, the people down here don't want, don't even want me in the association. You can't get in here. So it was very difficult. It was a difficult time for everybody. Yeah, Mary Gilbert, uh, the, the late mother of, uh, of Shannon Gilbert. Um, yes. And that's all, boy, that we need a whole other show to, uh, to talk about that. But uh, I want to focus on uh, on Peter Hackett and, and why Hackett. Uh, why this guy uh, has uh, has somehow uh, skipped, uh, you know, been able to skip town without giving all of he all that he knows on this. And and if someone knows anything different, Dr. Hackett yourself, please, you know, let us know that you've you've cooperated. Frank McKay here with Joe Scalise Sr. We're talking Lisk. We're talking the Long Island serial killing. And uh, Frank, yes, I'd like to interject a, a good connection between Burke and Hackett can be drawn through drugs. And but the by the way, that's the voice of of Joe Scalise uh, Junior, uh, uh, thrilled to have you, Joe. Go ahead, please. Well, if anyone uh, has read about Burke, Burke was caught in in prison with oxycotton, and uh, that was a uh, a major part of uh, Doctor Hackett's relationship with a lot of people was prescribing uh, narcotics, 
Oxy was one of the drugs of choice, and uh, and there it is. I mean, his connection to a lot of people in the community, as well as uh, as Burke. Uh, Joe Joe Junior, let me stick with you for a moment. Uh, the uh, there was some talk that there was a bridge um, in the back of of Hackett's house that he actually had built a bridge or somebody had built a bridge. Um, I, it, it shed some light on that, if you don't mind, and 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 kind of give us the history of that. Do I have that wrong? No, one hundred percent correct. Uh, it was it was just a simple uh, wood bridge, little boardwalk with a uh, a railing on it that. Uh, bridged over a uh, culvert uh, that you wouldn't just be able to jump or step over, which led, uh, if you go on Google Maps, you can see this whole system from the air. It's, it looks like a bunch of veins that lead to a, a, a center canal, and then uh, that drains into the bay. And one of those veins ends up right at the, uh, at, uh, the Hackett's old property. Uh, Joe Sr., are you still with us? Yes, I am, sir. Yeah, let me... Let me ask you about any personal interaction that you had with uh, with Peter Hackett or Barbara Hackett, uh, and anything since uh, has anything occurred since the, the the murders and and the death of uh, of Shannon Gilbert? Um, did you, have you had any interaction with them whatsoever? Uh, no, not with Barbara or uh, Peter Hackett, but I had interaction with Mrs. Gilbert. I, we had told Mrs. Gilbert if she ever wanted to come in and needed to, you know, unwind or decompress, she's more than welcome to come and uh, come to visit us. And we, she could, actually, we had a bench there on our dock uh, at the base of our bulkhead, and uh, she would sit there and she would talk. She would spend some time with us, with her daughter, or her other daughter, um, just trying to figure out how none of, none of this is adding up. And how many of the people here had really just shunned her, uh, threatened to call the police on her. Um, so I said, well, you tell them you're coming to visit uh, me or my wife, and uh, you can come in here, and we will, we will, we will talk to you. If you, if you would, and I, and if you can, I understand. But um, you know, I imagine uh, Mary G Gilbert would uh, would would want you to be as open as uh, as possible with this. But again, you, you're welcome to uh, you know to not answer. But is there anything you could share with us uh, conversationally that uh, that occurred between you and and Shannon Gilbert's mother, um, who's now deceased? But is there anything? Uh, that that we should know that she was thinking or that she commented on uh, and specifically uh, having to do with uh, Peter Hackett? Well, she indicated that she had uh, a number of conversations with uh, with Peter Hackett, all that he denied. And then when the phone, the, the phone became an issue, you know, initially the police were, were going along with Peter. Then why not? I guess they found her number on other people's phones. Um, they, they were. I, if I was a police officer, I'd be inclined to say, "Hey, Peter, you don't seem to be telling me the truth here. What are we doing?" But I don't know what. I don't know if and when there was ever any follow-up, challenging anything Hackett said, and that's not typical of the Suffolk County Police when they're on a investigation of multiple homicides or deaths. I mean, these guys are relentless. But in the case of Peter. They backed off for whatever reason. I mean, that police commissioner there 
was making statements. Oh, she probably drowned. Oh, she probably this. She went through the, the thickets. None of that makes any sense. I'm telling you. Uh, you go down there, you can't walk three feet into the thickets there without ripping yourself apart uh, because of the briars and the, the thickness of the, the um, anything intertwining there. Uh, then she's down by the water. Uh, who, you know, and, and he's putting this out to the public. This is stuff I read by that commissioner. And, uh, you know, I was kind of happy when Hart came along. I said, hey, here we have a female. She's got to be upset that this happened to these girls and, and, the, and these women. And, uh, but she just never seemed to pull the trigger. Maybe the new commissioner now, I think that was one of the things I read about him in his in his interview, one of the things he wants to do is resolve this and solve this. And, uh, you know, he's got a good background. He's chief of detectives, NYPD. Uh, so maybe this will happen now. Maybe he's just going to take the gloves off the guys and say, hey, I want answers. Boom, boom, boom. Maybe we'll get somewhere. Yeah, well, I and listen, amen. Uh, so many people are saying that, and the new commissioner is uh, Rodney Harrison. Uh, yes, very nice. Yeah, I've never spoken. I've never spoken to him yet, and uh, uh, but I'm uh, certainly um, cheering him on. So far, I, you know, so far, great. Um, the the problem I have, uh, you know, the only problem and trepidations I had is that he was appointed by Steve Ballone, uh, one of the guys who covered this all up. Um, right, you uh, could also, building on your point, and, uh, and you were talking about Aaron Moriarty, people can go and Google Peter Hackett letters, 48 hours, and they can see the two letters that he wrote to Aaron Moriarty concerning... Uh, she was going to out him on uh, national television for lying about contacting Mary. And uh, anyone who reads it will see they are uh, not the words of an innocent man. In addition, on that show, at the end of the show, uh, Bruce Anderson, a uh, former Oak Beach resident, longtime resident, uh, gave the Suffolk County Police a signed affidavit uh saying uh, the same thing that basically uh, my father had told you, that uh, he had talked to Peter Hackett and that Peter admitted to him that he had sedated Shannon. So the Southern County Police uh, at that point uh, picked up Bruce Anderson and, and questioned him. So the Southern County Police had knowledge that Peter Hackett had Shannon uh, with him at some point and had sedated her on the sworn affidavit of another uh, association member. So why didn't they do anything with that then? You're hearing the voice of Joe Scalise Jr. Uh, in in that uh, in that segment, um, and uh, he's been terrific, and he's been very open, very candid about this, and and one of the few people <laughs> who has been uh, in that area. And Joe Scalise uh, Senior, his father, has uh, has been just as candid, and and we appreciate both of them being here uh, as we end our our part two. Um, with Joe Scalise Sr., and, and uh, certainly we appreciate the the help from uh, Joe Scalise Jr. Uh, we urge everyone to binge listen to that. Uh, Mr. Scalise uh, Sr., uh, do you have a final word on on any of this? And we're going to need a part three, and I want to talk more about the Canning uh, situation, what he said to you about, about uh, Shannon being sedated by uh, Peter Hackett, because that, to me, is the red flag of all red flags. But don't get into it now. we got about a minute left. Uh, is there anything you want to leave us with in part two 
No, I think that uh, the focus of Peter Hackett is critical to this whole thing. You can dance around all these other things. That is the person that they have to focus on. They have to bring in Tom Canning, who made that statement to me. They have to bring in Bruce Anderson. The late Gus Coletti indicated to many people that he knew who he knew who did it, but he wasn't going to rat anybody out. And of course, and Gus Coletti dies. So that's that's it. that little secret in Gus's uh, mind is uh, it's it's lost. But uh, I think that uh, with the new commissioner, things are looking good. Let's release those tapes. Let the people see that. Maybe they hear something. Maybe that'll bring somebody else forward. That's that was the whole. That's what you need to have happen here right now. We need to get some new ideas from the public. There are people that know what happened. There are people that know what happened living in the Oak Beach, and they need to come forward. Because you know what? If Peter Hackett's innocent, I'd be the first one to say, I'm glad. Hey, listen, this proves that he didn't have anything to do with it. But nothing points to that right now. And if he's guilty, he's, 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 he's long overdue to be in jail. This is now going on 10 years, and he's still walking around. All the killer or killers are still walking around. Yeah, no doubt. And, and the and police, ten years. the police can do this. They can do it. And if this new commissioner says, "Guys, I want, I want results. I want them on this desk, PDQ," that will happen. That has not. That didn't happen under Chief Burke, unfortunately, uh, or the other commi- police commissioners. But hey, we'll see. This is NYPD now. They, they're the best, and he's he's part of that. Hopefully it works. No doubt about it. I, to both of you, thank you very much. Hang in there uh, for a part three. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. You've been li- listening to our LISC series, part two of Joe Scalise uh, Sr. And uh, we've had three parts with Joe Scalise Jr. And uh, and he uh, he thoughtfully uh, commented here on this. Uh, they've both been absolutely great and very candid on this. We'll be back right after this. Breaking it down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down and welcome everyone back to our discussion on Lisk, the Long Island serial killing. And with me today is someone who has done such incredible research on his own. And he's not connected to any media outlet. And sometimes that's where your best information comes from. Uh, He has come up with some mind-blowing information. And Jerry Perigin is uh, is a long island, long time Long Island native, and now he uh, he lives elsewhere, and but he still keeps his eye on this case, and it is uh, is an incredible story, and it is uh, is so much more interesting when Jerry Perigin adds to it and uh, and touches uh, on different information. The research he's done is exceptional and just wonderful. And here I am building him up. He's probably thinking, geez, I hope I could live up to that. But uh, trust me, he's absolutely terrific. And hopefully he'll give, he'll give us uh, give us some different insights and different ways to look at all of this. Uh, I'm urging him to write a book, uh, to do a documentary, whatever, because the information uh, that he can't give you, that he can't give you is just is mind-blowing. But let's see what he can give us. Jerry Perigene, welcome. 
Hi, Frank. How you doing? And thanks for that. Thanks for that amazing introduction. And just like you say, I don't know I can live up to that. But well, I, I, listen, I'm I'm confident that you can. And it's so difficult to get anyone to. Well, look, there's a lot of people paying attention to it, and there's a lot of people that come up with theories. You you're not a theorist. You're not somebody who just says, "Hey, you know, maybe it's this, maybe it's that." Uh, you've done extensive research. I mean, mind blowing research. On, on certain subjects, and one day uh, we'll we'll talk about I, I think some of the things you specialized in. But in general, uh, you've done some very serious thought process in uh, into this. Before we go any further, let's find out a little bit about you. Uh, where did it all start for you? Um, and 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 start from the beginning. You where were you born? Where were you raised? Well, okay. So I was born in in, in uh, Queens, in New York. Um, didn't move out to Long Island though um, until I was about uh, thirteen, fourteen years old. So that would have been that would have been in in sixty nine or seventy. And then I lived there until seventy six, I suppose. So I I, I um, graduated from West Islip High School, um, and uh, then I moved into the city. I did a stint in the army. Uh, lived in Florida. Raised a family. Um, but 2011, 2012 found me living in Pennsylvania, a stockbroker, my empty nest. My kids were in college. Um, and as a matter of fact, I, I was unemployed at that moment. I was a stockbroker that was let go by a company uh, and I was planning an, an arbitration action against them, which which I won. But during that period, I had a, a, some time as I was planning that. And I started to notice uh the stories that that uh, were coming out relative to Shannon Gilbert. Now, I immediately started to recognize names of, of people that were involved there who I had had a peripheral knowledge of. Um, and so I started looking into the case and turning up things that I thought were odd, not just odd in terms of, well, odd in terms of things that perhaps should be where the police should be notified about it. So I tried to do that, tried to contact the police department at the time, uh, spoke to a couple of newspapers, spoke to Newsday. They were initially very excited. And then somehow they kind of grew cold on my information. Then I spoke to somebody at the New York Post and the same thing happened. Really not much happened after that, except me following the case, you know, until recently where now things seem to be heating up. So like I say, I noticed some things about people, places I remembered um, and started doing sleuthing, you know, internet searches, et cetera. Uh, it's basically where, where, we, where we are today. I mean, back then in 2012, I spoke to a, a detective who uh, I was given the name of this detective, and I, and I uh, spoke to him at some time. And I'll tell you, when people now, and I know people theorize that perhaps there might be some um, uh, law enforcement connections, either they ex obstructed or even perhaps were involved with, something relative to Lisk. I, th you know, I think it's possible, but it would be, I think it would have to be a very small group that that within law enforcement or politics, that that kind of conspiracy could occur with. Because for instance, this gentleman I spoke to, this detective was just so intelligent and professional and just seemed to me to be really a moral person. I think that that kind of fellow, and I think, I don't know if he's still on the case, but I do think he's still on the Suffolk County payroll. Uh, a gentleman like that, I think uh, he would solve the case no matter where the chips fell. So 
I have confidence in the police in that regard. Well, let me jump in. Let me remind folks who are tuning in a little late or just turning on their radios a little late. Frank McKay here, much more importantly. Jerry Perigene is our very special guest, and he is someone who's done extensive research on Lisk and the Long Island serial killing. And uh, interesting, and again, I urge him to do a book on a segment of this that he's very much researched and uh, for different reasons, re- legal reasons and so forth. Uh, we're going to stay away from that. But again, uh, Jerry Perigin, always an interesting conversation with him when it comes to Lisk. Let me uh, let me just touch on something that you said, Jerry, and and I've said it all along that that 99% of, of law enforcement folks, I, I, and I feel like this around the country, are, are terrific and they're, they're, they're ter- maybe, maybe it's a smaller uh, amount than that, but they, we have bad folks in each uh, aspect of society, and uh, tons in politics, of course, and and uh, there's those in law enforcement, teachers, stockbroker, right? Whatever we have, there's there's bad folks. But uh, I I agree with you. I think there's wonderful people there that would solve this under the right circumstances. Uh, keep in mind, there's a chain of command that that goes. And at the time that you were speaking to this individual, Jimmy Burke was uh, was his. Um, I, I'm assuming it was a, a he, right? It was a it was a gentleman that you were speaking to, uh, male. Detective. Right, sure. Uh, Jimmy Burke yeah. was was the boss there, and uh, and Jimmy Burke, I think, uh, I, I think you know, will be proven right that he's uh, obstructed this case uh, every chance he could, and Steve Ballone, the county executive, uh, along with him. And I, I, I haven't had anybody yet, uh, uh, you know, try to defend either one of those guys and even folks that have uh, closely investigated it. Uh, so the thing is, it, it, when, when you get to the top of these things, uh, it's very frustrating for the folks like the individual that you're mentioning who has uh, every strong intention, we assume has every strong intention of doing the right thing. It's not their decision to uh, to say, hey, I found this person. They've got to, it goes up the chain of command and so forth. I, I, how, how often did you speak to anyone in law enforcement about this? Uh, was it only the one time? You know, initially I got a call from someone uh, who was uh, uh, just in the, in the Suffolk County level. Um, and then he sort of, sort of dismissed my, um, my conjecture with something that was just unrelated. In other words, there was just not going to be any meeting in the minds there. Um, then I was given a, 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 an address for New York state troopers. I wrote to them. That's when I got, that's when this detective reached out and, uh, and we had this conversation, but I just want to touch on what we, what you just said. I so much agree now that we have a new DA, a new police commissioner and, they have already uh, shown they they went and solved the cold case of uh, Eve Wilkowitz in Bayshore, the, the lady who was uh, who was killed walking home from the Bayshore uh, 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 ferry 40 years ago. And, and I mean, it looks like they're serious. So I think there's every reason to be um, to be enthusiastic and, and, and confident that some things are going to happen here. But, you know, when I just want to mention growing up uh, there. I, as a, as a teenager, um, but that, that stretch of Ocean Parkway, that's something that used to go out to and drive around. Kids would go out and, you know, speed through there and stuff just because it was so desolate. And it really is the kind of place that a resident of Babylon or West Isle Probation, they would know that area well. And they would also know it as the most desolate place around where if somebody wanted to dump something, they would. So it's really not very mysterious why 
an area like that would be chosen. You know, right? I mean, it's uh, uh, it's it's something uh, of uh, a unique situation. Some people have called it our very own Epstein Island, uh, where there's right. a lot of a lot of sexual activity going on there and kudos i i'm not a uh, an amish person i'm not a religious folk where where i'm damning everyone for doing whatever they're doing if somebody is uh, is an adult two people are adults and they're engaging i'm i'm all for it and whatever they are we're doing it as long as it's not against somebody's will uh, as long as there's no trafficking which you know of course that's that's a whole issue here and and, and of course uh, as long as everyone is of age yeah let them go at it let them let them right. Whatever. But for some right. reason, this this area is out of sight and out of mind prior to this, and people were able to have it. Now, you grew up not too far from, from here in West Islip. Did it have that reputation then? Well, you know, I, I, I've always felt that there is something about Suffolk County, maybe that area, where it's, it's just sort of a vibe, and, and I don't think it's just my perception. I've, I've spoken to other people about it. Sort of a, an arrogance or, or a sense of invulnerability that maybe allows an environment to exist where a, uh, 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 someone like a lisk can be created. That's my feeling. I think that, you know, sort that it just, uh, just the loneliness out there, but also the wealth of a lot of people there are wealthy just because they live there and home prices have gone up so much. I mean, the, the uh, taxes are so high that you, you almost can't move once you're in there, you know, on, because there's no place else to move to, but you're, you really, it's hard to do even renovations to your house with the, with the type of property taxes that people have out there. And they're living in very expensive houses that 30 years ago, they did not pay that much for. So, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a different kind of thing, but I wanted to go on here and just mention that when there was no major response, I started to look at, these online things, web sleuths, other online message boards. And, you know, it's a cliche, I guess, to say, but um, anything that can happen online is gonna. And it's uh, like that old game of telephone, too, where someone whispers a phrase to their neighbor, it goes down the line, and eight people later, it's a totally different phrase. So with the kind of sleuthing that occurs, you're going to get distortions, people that have agendas, Everyone is in love with their own narrative, et cetera. But still, it's definitely worth it to to follow up uh, and participate and look at those things because um, there can be uh, good strides can be made. And I've seen it. And even now, like when I look at my data that I put together 10 years ago, I think a lot of it is still really relevant and interesting, but maybe in a different way than I originally perceived. So maybe instead of actually trying to ID a killer that maybe what I've got and what I've shown to people can sort of lead to some of those other things. The, the uh, revelations about corruption or revelations about maybe organized crime and how they could have had a, uh, a hand in it. I know that with the Shannon Gilbert case, I see things that maybe I noticed 10 years ago, but I didn't really think about. Like, for instance, that Shannon was actually doing court a few weeks after she disappeared. What's that all about? Could that have a, a bearing, you know, that sort of thing? I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. So it, wh what do you know about that? Can you, uh, could you mention that? Well, I mean, I mean, she had been arrested uh, on a prostitution charge along with, a, along with a drug trafficker, Joseph Ruiz, who uh, wound up getting time and doing five years who knows if Joseph Ruiz 
uh, who Michael Pack had worked for. I mean, there's a lot, I'm not a complete expert on it, but certainly that what I just described to you is true. And, uh, I, and I think that that's relevant. Uh, you know, you, when you say, gosh, could this person who strangled these poor four girls, so the GB4, could that person really have strangled Shannon Gilbert? It just seems like too much of a stretch. But huge, she was brought out to someone's house, et cetera, et cetera. But if these people knew each other and there, were, and there was a common thread there where maybe somebody wanted Shannon Gilbert specifically dead otherwise, then you have to start looking at those connections. Maybe that's how that connection is made. Frank McKay so. here, so much more importantly, you're hearing the voice of Jerry Perigene, and he is a LISC researcher, and, uh, you know, I personally urge him to write a book. He has specific knowledge about a subject that's related to LISC. Uh, we're not touching on it here. Maybe one day uh, Jerry will talk about it, and, uh, you know, again, I urge him to write a book because it's amazing. The information that he came up on a specific individual that we're not touching on here and on a specific uh, subject and angle in this case is mind-blowing. And I mean mind-blowing and it, it starts and ends with Jerry Perigene and it is a, uh, to, to me, if you wrote it as a novel, it would be, it would be almost be unbelievable, but it's true and he backs it up with information and there's, <laughs> there's information that, that uh, even modern day um, I, it makes it even more of a bizarre case, potentially. So again, we'll go into that sometime in the future. And hopefully, as we're talking to Jerry, as the author of that book, uh, it's amazing, uh, the information. Well, that sounds good, Frank. I, I definitely would like to write that book and have you, help me, ha, have you help me publicize it. And maybe that's something we could do down the road. I want to make another point, though. Yeah, and it doesn't, it doesn't relate to it really uh, my research, but... Just my thinking, when, when you look at Tina Foglia, and for people that are, might not be familiar with her, Tina was a 19-year-old. In 1982, she went to a bar on Sunrise Highway in West Islip, a bar called Hammershead, Hammerheads, and uh, disappeared. And two or three days later, horribly found, dismembered in, in three bags along Sagico's Parkway. And they've never found her murder. Uh, Joel, now, you know, Joel Rifkin, could that have been related to well, Joel Rifkin? It, it, I'm not sure if it, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, but if you, if you think about it, um, um, uh, I used to go to that bar in the early seventies. It wasn't called Hammerheads. It was called something else. I can't even remember, but it was like a locals place and we don't know what happened to Tina, but if she was like the first Lisk victim or something like that, it, it wouldn't surprise me because that person, uh, if that person was 20, at the time, they'd be 60 now. I think they'd still be a, a resident. I mean, Occam's razor will say if you have someone who disappears, they're murdered, they're never, the murderer is never caught, uh, that murderer might still be around there, and that might be the perpetrator of some of these other list victims. Um, and, you know, by the way, that couldn't be, for instance, John Petroff, because he would have been 16 then. But, I mean, for a West Islip person, right, the a bar on Sunrise Highway, uh, a place like Oak Beach, where the Oak Beach Inn was a, a big deal in the seventies and eighties. They're 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 part of his stomping grounds. So it wasn't originally part of my thinking, but I think the case can go so many different ways. And you could even have a situation where someone like that maybe 
who killed Tina Foglia and then perhaps other people. Perhaps that person is not a policeman, but perhaps known to the police. And perhaps there's reasons that, you know, you, you just don't know. Somebody could, it could be the traditional type of serial killer that the people who studied serial killers um, would, would suggest it would be. Or it could be it could be something that involves some intrigue with corruption within somewhere within law enforcement or, or, or politics. But it, 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 I don't think it's naturally I don't I don't think that you can exclude that it could be a little bit of both. So Jerry Perigine is the voice that you're hearing. Frank McKay here with Jerry. Uh, we're going to need a part two and hopefully hang hang in there, Jerry. Don't don't leave us yet. Um, uh, give us, uh, if you could, and again, we're talking LISC here with a LISC uh, researcher, a tremendous LISC researcher. Don't leave us. But, Jerry, give us, give us a final, uh, uh, just a final thought on what we've been talking about here and, and what you've been talking about. Uh, give us a final thought on Tina Foglia. And, uh, and this is an unsolved uh, murder. Have you ever heard anything about this case since... Uh, since you first heard about it, I mean, has there been any talk about it? And we got about a minute left. Well, j- just in terms of Tina, no. I mean, I I really think that that's an interesting starting point that people typically don't look at. They figure it's too long ago, but I don't think it was. If, if say that Tina Polia was, say that Lisk was rejected by Tina Polia. Lisk is twenty, she's nineteen, and and that starts the whole thing off. I mean, when you look at scenarios, Frank. As we know, there's so many intriguing aspects that could mean something, but and you do have to give them consideration until until we know something better. I mean, in terms of the own the research that I've done, I feel that some of it has has really dovetailed into other things that have have panned out. But um, it's a process, and and you know when when we finally get the answer, I'm 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 afraid it's going to be really ugly. Frank McKay here. Jerry Perigin has been our very special guest. That's our end of part one with Jerry Perigin. He is a, a uh, wonderful uh, researcher on LISC. And like I said, uh, the the aspect of LISC that we're not, I, it sounds like I'm teasing, uh, but uh, the, the aspect of LISC that we're not talking about that he is, has expertise in is, uh, is just outstanding. And we'll be talking about that hopefully sometime in the future uh, as Jerry as author. Uh, Frank McKay, for now, signing off. Uh, We'll see everyone next time uh, with a part two from Jerry Perigin. Frank McKay signing off. You've been listening to our LISC broadcast, and we'll see you next time on Breaking It Down.